Hello, I'm John, the executive producer here at Final Show Films. I got a few notes for you before the show. First, I want to thank you all for watching. We couldn't do what we do or the amount of things that we do without the support of you, the viewer. If you want to support us financially, which we always appreciate, you can go to our Patreon page at patreon.com fsfilms, where you can donate as little as a dollar a month to help us continue this and all the things that we do. I want to give a special shout out to our $25 supporters, Antitonic, Cat Waterflame, and Samantha Bates. Uh, second, I want to let you all know that we here at Final Show Films are planning a little get together up at Gen Con this year. That's August 2nd through 5th up at Indianapolis. We're going to be up there sort of hanging out, enjoying the con, spending time together. And if any of you guys want to come up and say hi, please feel free. We don't bite unless you want us to. And if you enjoy whatever it is you're about to watch or listen to, be sure to check out our website at finalshowfilms.com where you can find links to all of our other content, both podcast and video. And be sure to follow me at John A. Bates on Twitter for more updates on all of the content we're creating in the future. In the meantime, thanks for watching. I hope you enjoy. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. We're here. We are back with more Critical Thinking, episode 35, <clears throat> Race to the Ziggurat. I'm John, at John A. Bates on Twitter. With me today is Jack. Hey everybody, I'm Jack. I'm at AltF4Gamers on Twitter. And Jeremy. What up? My name is Jeremy. I am at, at jthomas 411 mania on Twitter. And we apologize for the lengthy break between this episode and the last episode. We've been having some technical switch-around job shenanigans going on. As opposed to all the other long breaks between episodes. Right. I mean, this was an entirely unanticipated hiatus, unlike all the other ones. Which were totally anticipated. Uh, <laughs> mostly, this, mostly this time it was my fault, uh, in that uh, my new job has me working overnight, so I was asleep a lot of the times when we were supposed to be recording. Anyways... <clears throat> It's okay. I'm due for the new job next time. So Yeah, so the next hiatus will be Jack's fault, and then eventually yep. Jeremy will have to be the fault of one of them. Nope. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I have a feeling that, not to get too morbid gallows humor, the one time that it will be Jeremy's fault is when he's dead. <laughs> Legit. I mean, that'll be his fault then, wouldn't it? We'll have to wait, and we will have to wait until Jeremy is no longer dead. Yep. Yeah, yeah. We'll have to wait until that resurrection technology gets working, or we get some Cree blood. Anyways, it's uh, a magical place. <laughs> it's a magical place. Um. So, this week we're talking about Critical Role episode. Uh, <clears throat> thirty episode thirty four critical role episode thirty four yeah uh race to the ziggurat uh starring Laura Bailey as Vixelia, Talzin Jaffe as Percy, Ashley Johnson as Pike, Liam O'Brien as Vaxo, Don Marisha Ray as Keyleth, Sam Regal as Scanlan, Travis Willingham as Grog, and as always Matthew Mercer, the Dungeon Master. <laughs> uh, previously on Critical Role, the party Vox Machina after having a relatively violent encounter with a couple known as the Briarwoods, uh, Lady Delilah Briarwood and Lord Silas Briarwood, two individuals that were responsible for torturing and murdering Percy's family and taking over the town of Whitestone for the past five years, having ruled it, guiding it into a dark direction um, that the party has recently begun to unravel. Basically, last time, the party broke a lot of shit and started a, re started a rebellion 
of some kind, and also uh, reunited Percy with his sister, who he thought was long dead, and whom he thinks may or may not be under the mental effects of the vampire that is Silas Briarwood, and a whole bunch of other shit went down, and also they found... I think that last 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 time they also found um, the one-armed lady whose name escapes me currently. Ripley. 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 Anna it. Ripley. Anna Ripley. Uh, yes, not Ellen Ripley. That's somebody else. No, no, no. Different one. Anyways, they armed... Uh, they're, uh, far, they're far less uh, um, uh, uh, construction robots. <laughs> but no less get away from her, you bitch. Which I thought was interesting. Um, Just inverted. Yeah. Um... After rescuing Cassandra, they determined that the Briarwoods were likely in the underground research area that they had constructed underneath the castle and underneath the town. Uh, so Cassandra armed up in uh, her mother's old gear, uh, making a few pointed comments to Percy about it, and they decided to head down to see just whatever the cigarette project is. So, to begin... Vox Machina takes a short rest in the crypt, preparing to advance, which is a sentence that, you know, you don't always get to say, but when you do. Taking, short, taking short rests in crypts was popularized by Diablo uh -huh. uh, many, many uh -huh. years ago. Uh -huh. uh, Scanlan's seeming spell is still in effect, making all the male, parties ma male party members, including Trinket, look like Percy, and all the female members of the party look like Cassandra, in the hopes of confusing any enemies they encounter, mostly just confusing themselves, really. Uh, Grog takes out a vial of holy oil uh, from his bag of holding and keeps it on his person. Killing potions distributed among the party, and they strategize with Scanlan suggesting that Vex, under the guise of Cassandra, surprised the Briarwoods with one of her special arrows exploding or doused in holy oil. Percy also suggests that Vaxeldon's count ahead while chiding him about his willingness to rush into danger, which is kind of oxymoronic when you think about it. I want you to go ahead of everyone else, but don't rush ahead of everyone else. It's a fine line. There's very, a balance. It's a very fine line. Yeah. It's, one might say, the edge of a knife. Spoiler alert. For the rest of the series, Vex, or Vex doesn't know what that balance is. Nope. I mean... Ever. For every episode we've covered, Vex, Vex has also not known what that balance was, so... Yes. It's a running That's theme. true. That's not a spoiler it's, alert as a much of a, as a reminder of habit. It's been a while, yeah. <laughs> um... Before the rest is over, Grog attunes the Boots of Levitation to himself, because that's all we really need is a levitating barbarian. Uh, yes! And Percy asks Cassandra which of the Briarwoods she would consider more of a threat. Mostly, both of them. The answer really ends up being, which one of these Briarwoods is more of a threat? Yes. Because uh, Silas is a vampire, obviously, and Delilah is some form of necromancer, and, very, and both of them are very quite powerful, as well as affiliated with something, some entity known as the Whispered One. <clears throat> and they're really, uh, they're, they're sort of driven mostly by their love for one another and their service to this Whispered One. Um, she does warn about the blade that, uh, that um, Silas carries, saying that it is as dark as he is, and it is in this warning paragraph that we get the not incorrect phrase, but clumsy sounding Silas is dangerous because of his unnatural nature. <laughs> Un unnatural yeah. nature is unnatural nature. <laughs> unnatural nature is not an incorrect sentence. And this, and I want to pause on this for all of our uh, uh, for all of our writers in the audience. Um, when writing anything, 
be sure to read it out loud before you send it off to be finalized. Especially if it's something that is eventually going to be spoken out loud, i.e. Yep. scripts, screenplays, that sort of thing. On a sidebar, uh, Unnatural Nature is my Earth, Wind, and Fire cover band. <laughs> the Unnatural Nature is my Incubus Succubus cover band. Okay, fair enough. Unnatural Nature is my Hailstorm cover band, and we move on. <laughs> There's a fly perching itself on my monitor. Anyways, but yeah, so especially with things like this, because un- un- there is nothing grammatically wrong with Unnatural Nature, but no. when you say it, it sounds wrong. Um, so there are, there are many, many ways that writers use to get around things like that, changing one of those words, only using one of those words, changing the structure of the sentence. For instance, Silas is dangerous because he is unnatural, or Silas is dangerous because of what he is, things like that. Or even just, you know, yeah, Silas is dangerous because of his undead nature, or yeah. Silas is dangerous because of his unnatural aspects, you know, or things like that. Yeah. yeah Let me introduce you, friends, to the concept of, I know that, it does, that, that people don't really use dictionaries anymore, but let me introduce you to the thesaurus. <laughs> yes, writers, a thesaurus is your best friend. Also, Amico. Anyways. Uh, so yeah, with this information uh, uh, regarding Silas and Delilah, the party uh, is prepared, theoretically, and uh, begin plotting ways to separate the Briarwoods using her information. Uh, <clears throat> having regretted accepting an ally before, Vax uh, lets Cassandra know on behalf of Vox Machina that they are wary of her and her assistants. She understands their caution and answers the question of what became uh, what became of her after she was shot down by Percy uh, and, and her making her escape five years ago. She explains that she shot was down taken, helping, so, sorry, Percy, not helping Percy, by not Percy. by Percy. <laughs> it's an important detail. I, mean, I, I was running away from the castle where I'd been taken prisoner and tortured, and I decided to shoot my sister on the way out. <laughs> because I don't have to outrun the bad guys, I just have <laughs> just to outrun my sister. Her. That's when you just take her knee out and keep going. Um... <laughs> Yes. That adds a new level to Percy's dark cowardice. It does, it does. No. Shot down helping Percy make his escape. Um, uh, she explains that she was taken to the Temple of Pelor and recovered there. Uh, she ha- also helped uh, with Whitestone's first attempt to rebellion, which ultimately resulted in failure and her capture by the Briarwoods. She was not caught by the Briarwoods the first time. They shot her and left her, and then villagers found her. And then yep. while under the Briarwoods' control, she's made several attempts to help uh, any remaining rebels, feeding them information, etc. Um, Vexalia does an insight check, or as you might phrase it in a narrative context, Vexalia's insight into Cassandra reveals the conviction behind her words. Whether or not it was accurate, we don't know. Because there was I don't think there was a whisper at that point. Um, but on the plus side... We have proof that the party can be taught because they are now wary of people. It's true. This was not a Clarota situation. Nope. <laughs> Upon entering the cavern, the crest of Saren Ray sewn into Vax's glove activates, flashing and glowing in the dark. Pike's avatar manifests before them once again to the collective joy of the party. After their greeting, aka Skype connects. <laughs> Which is one of the very few times collective joy and Skype have been in the same sentence. 
You're very not wrong. True. Very, very true. After their greetings and introducing Pike to Cassandra, they carry on down the tunnel. The group comes to a fork in the tunnel, at which point Vexalia finds footprints in the ground, most recently leading to the left-hand tunnel. She smell and if you're wondering why I'm saying Vex, I'm most often saying Vexalia and Vaxeldon rather than Vex and Vax. It's because A, that's the way it's written, and B, it is easier to determine who they are if you're saying Vexalia and Vaxeldon instead of Vex and Vax. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. You thought you'd think uh, the cast um, members would have figured that out too. Many sets of footprints did did she find, by the way? Does it say? Um da -la -la -la. Nope. <laughs> nope. Okay, Jesus was carrying somebody. Never mind. <laughs> mm. <laughs> uh, do you recall how many footprints there were? I don't. No, just, that's why I asked. I, as Not I, because I wanted to make a dumbass Christian joke. As I recall, most of the time, whenever Matt, whenever Mercer uh, talks about footprints, he finds uh, he says a collection of footprints. Mm -hmm. Yep. As opposed to as opposed to a quarry of footprints, which is when you only have two. Um, <laughs> making dumb categorization jokes. Uh, <clears throat> we go. We go for the mainstream humor here, folks. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is why we uh, we never miss our uh, what's it called when you stand up there with a the mic? Oh yeah, stand up nights. <laughs> uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. I was gonna say karaoke, but you know that's just. Funny. I mean, there's both of those, yeah. Ha! By now, the party has traveled... Uh, say, uh, sorry. Um, she smells a sharp chemical odor down the tunnel that the footprints lead, um, determining that the Briarwoods uh, must have their acid pits down that side. Uh, because, as previously was established, they use acid to melt down the... Um, residuum? Whitestone. The Whitestone white into residuum. Right. Whitestone into residuum, which is some form of magical powder stone. I don't actually know what residuum is. I don't know if it was ever thoroughly explained. Or if I just uh, traditionally, missed it. Traditionally in, in fantasy settings, residuum is basically if you took magic and made it into a raw material that can be used in making shit, it's called residuum. Good to know. Basically anything that you get when disenchanting shit in World of Warcraft. <laughs> dust. Crystal <laughs> dust. Crystals and dust. Got it, got it, got it. Okay. <clears throat> By now, the party has traveled so far from the castle that they uh, feel they are nearer to the outskirts of Whitestone. Uh, continuing, which I don't think is quite accurate, but whatever. Um, because the place they eventually end up is underneath the sun tree, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, continuing down the tunnel, Vax notices some carefully placed stone platforms on the ground and inspects them, finding magical blast traps up beneath. Instructing the party to go around the trap, the twins carry on to find another trap in the dirt. This one consists of some sort of gas, making it very difficult to disarm. So Vax opts to stand in front of it in order to guide the group around it. While attempting to escort Trinket, hello, cat, decided to come up here and meow really loudly. <laughs> I don't know if you guys heard it, but I did. We heard it. Um, my cat is being fussy. Uh, <laughs> and... Uh, while attempting to escort Trinket down the narrow corridor, the bear slips and steps onto a trap, exploding and activating a gas cloud, affecting both himself and Grog. This is why children never take a bear down a narrow passage. It's true. They're How very... many bears wide does a, does a passage have to be in order to safely transit a member of the Ursine species? At, at least two bears wide. Yes, at least yep. two bears wide. You never want to go only one bear wide, because accidents right. will happen. <laughs> How... Out of curiosity, because I know, 
because I know you have a lot of inform a lot of random information, Jack. Uh, how big is two bears wide? Well, it depends. Are we talking two black bears wide or two grizzly bears wide? Grizzly bears wide. If we're talking two grizzly bears wide, you're talking probably at least 15 feet. Mm. Bears are a bears are not a liquid. They are a semi-compressible substance. Um, so you can squeeze them through that way. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Alternately, kids, look up the etymology of the words Arctic and Antarctic, which is my linguistic kind of thing for the week. It has to do with bears. <laughs> Hold on, I can't go any further until you explain this. <laughs> All right, so the word Arctic, referring to the northern polar aspect of our planet, comes from the Latin Arctos or Arctos, meaning bear. Partially, supposedly, because the North Star is in Ursa Minor, a bear-aspected constellation, according, but also because that's where polar bears live. Antarctic has a prefix to it, meaning without or opposite of Arctic. So basically, the way you define them is Arctic is the cold place with bears. Antarctic is the cold place without bears. For the record, 20 minutes. <laughs> That's how long before we got so far off topic that we weren't even pretending to talk about critical role. This is an educational podcast, Jeremy. <laughs> and our new time slot means that we don't have like another thing five minutes after we end, so it's okay. You're not right. I'm not saying that I mind. I'm just pointing it out. <laughs> we like accurate record keeping here at Critical Thinking. <sighs> Where the fuck was I? <laughs> we were talking about trinket and gas traps. That's right. Two bears wide. Uh, fortunately, the lingering effects of Keyless Heroes Feast have remained, imbuing the party trinket included with immunity to poison. So while they take damage, I believe they don't take they're not actually poisoned. Um <clears throat> a bit further down. The tunnel increases in sleepiness, in sleepiness, steepness. What the fuck am I reading? <laughs> I don't know. Are we sure that this late night time slot was a good idea? No, it's fine. I always read bad. Uh, increases in steepness for a while, causing some members of the party to have, a ste to, have to steady themselves. Soon the tunnel stops, uh, stops declining and flattens out. At the end of it, there's a bronze door that after checking for traps, Vax manages to open for the rest of the party. Beyond the door, a bronze room with white, with white stone ceiling is revealed, with evidence that building materials have been carried through this hallway. Vax then turns back to the rest of the group, calling first his sister, then Keyleth and Pike into the room, and attempts to understand its purpose. Suspicious of the nature of the room, Keyleth attempts to figure out what sort of natural attributes the room may have, but only finds that the metal used here is a very good conductor, and is not native to Taldore, being normally, being, uh, normally important, imported from distant lands. Vax, upon further inspection, notices an unusual button-looking object embedded in the center of the room, and the group agrees to have Vax, and my cat will not shut the hell up. <laughs> oh! Yay. Just in the, in the background. Meow, meow, meow. Cats. Anyways. <laughs> I don't know if you guys can hear it, but it's really throwing me off. <laughs> <sighs> this is amazing the hell was I again there it is notice it's an unusual button, uh, button looking object a button looking object embedded that button looking object by the way is the kind of thing Mercer says a lot 
<laughs> it's a button-looking object. Oh, you mean a button. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could call it that if you were so inclined. It's really a button-looking object, so it looks through buttons or it looks like a button. <sighs> and the group agrees to have Vex shoot it from outside the room to find out what, what it activates. Uh, she shoots it, and there's no reaction. Percy then tries sliding... this is in a video game. <laughs> Percy then tries... There's the cat again! Yep. And Percy then tries... <laughs> sliding his sword out onto the floor in an attempt to cause a, a, a short if the surface is in fact conducting electricity. There's no reaction, but as he moves closer to skid his sword, he is now able to ascertain that the object in the floor is some kind of oval gem or stone. Vax decides to skirt around the room and attempt to make it into make it to the door on the other side of the room. While he does this, he notices that there are three more opals embedded in the wall at shoulder height. <clears throat> Crouching under the opals, he makes it to the other side and checks the door for traps, but finds nothing of interest. He does note that there is no handle or obvious way for it to open. The other members of the group notice that there are another three opals on the other side of the room in the exact same positions as the other ones. So we've got this. We've got this fairly large square slash rectangular room with opals all over the place and a button in the center of the room, which, yep. as we referred to previously, was an opal. Um, <clears throat> Vax attempts to push the door open, but cannot get purchased and fails, as doors continue to be the biggest villain in the series. He then calls for Grog to sneak along the wall under the opals and join him, but Grog chooses to ignore this and walks straight through the center of the room to the other side, to no effect. Uh, he then takes out a pickaxe and uses it to, as a leverage under the door to pry it open. The handle of the pickaxe shatters, and Scanlan, fed up with doors besting them, walks up to the opal on the floor and presses it. It does nothing, but he notices a small white light emitting from a moment before going out. And then a long sequence of puzzle solving ensues. Yep. Each member of the group <laughs> goes to different opals, pressing their hands against them, and etc, etc, etc. Eventually... <clears throat> after a while, after several spells and button pressings later, um, Cassandra finds a secret button hidden at the foot of the door, because occasionally, as a GM, if it seems like your PCs are stuck on a puzzle and aren't going to figure it out, you have an NPC solve it so they can move along. Um, Once yep. in a while. <clears throat> Cassandra <clears throat> presses the secret button hidden at the foot of the door, and when she presses it, there's a sound of stone shifting loudly and two large walls of green glass slam down, trapping all seven members of Vox Machina within the center of the bronze room. Like also, occasionally you have the NPCs that set off the trap, but, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Grog attempts to smash the glass, but leaves only a scratch. Keyleth uses Thunder Wave. No effect. Uh, because, yeah, pushing it. Anyways. <clears throat> but again, uh, the essence of... Yeah. The essence of the Thunder Wave spell gets scattered across the glass. Vax pours some poison that he obtained earlier on his Dagger of Life Stealing, and behind Cassandra, the bronze door opens and outstep Lord and Lady Briarwood. <laughs> uh, Lord Briarwood greets the group, and as he does, Vax notices a placard on the wall behind the door where the Briarwoods had come from. Drawing his cloak around himself, he uses a dimension door to jump to it and presses it. There's a sound of... St because... Because 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 this is the Indiana Jones moment. Yes, where hit the you're, where you're right, where you're building up to something, and it seems like something's going to happen, and you just have one of the characters cut through the entire thing and bring the scene to a grinding halt. Um, <clears throat> there is a sound of stone grating once again, but the glass walls do not move. Instead, two large bronze tubes push outwards into the room. 
Lord Briarwood makes the statement that he wasn't expecting him to want to see his friends dissolved so quickly, but if he so wishes. Um, <laughs> as the rest of the group looks up to see green liquid pouring into the room. Uh, the group frantically tries to uh, clog tubes with ice and block the tunnel and, and block them up. Uh, Percy manages to block one of the pipes but while he's reloading Vax, charmed by Lord Briarwood. Um... Uh, or while he is reloading, Vax is charmed by Lord Briarwood. Um, yep. Percy's second shot fails to stop the second pipe, causing the room to slowly fill with acid. Because that's the only sort of thing that is liquid and green in these sort of settings. Typically. I mean, oozes are also liquid and green, but they are also acid, so... Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Acid with a brain. Well... Brain. A small one, but still a functional one. Brain is a bit of a stretch. <clears throat> I like to think of them like just overgrown amoeba, really. I'm sorry. Have you not met Grenadine von Fluselpus, my uh, ooze sorcerer? I have not. Hmm. We'll have to. We'll have to have him make an make an appearance in one of the games at some point. <laughs> Obviously. I'm very interested to hear how the ooze does the vocal components of spells. It's called a pseudo-mouth. Vex drinks the potion of flying that she took from Dr. Ripley, and Grog hits one of the opals, cracking it from the impact. Um, uh, Cassandra steps up to the green glass, putting her hand up to it and calling out, which one is my Percy? Because they still all look like Percy. Because they still all look like Percy. Uh, uh, who steps up, uh, giving an okay sign and smiling, saying, it's all right, I'll see you soon. To which Cassandra replies, your sister left us the day those arrows found my chest. She did not die from those wounds, but to watch you leave me there in the snow. I have a new family, I'm a Briarwood, and I have a destiny with the Whispered One. As we get the turn. The party is learning, but it's still a process. (laughs) (laughs) And, I mean, at least they tried to attempt to determine, kind of en masse, whether or not this individual was trustworthy. And They can't yep. help it that she was a better liar than any of them were a character reader. And, to be fair, at least this time, it was a relative of a, of a party member, and not a creature typically understood to be inherently evil that they kind of just randomly met with no prior connection in one of the more hazardous environments on the fucking planet. And decided to make a pet. I mean, I'm going to be honest, and this is... Looking at those two situations narratively, as a, a, a reader and a watcher, there were periods of time where I was like, eh, maybe Clarota will turn out to be okay. There was never a point where I was like, yeah, Cassandra's going to be their ally now. No, that's fair. And, and I'm, I'm curious how much of that is informed by the previous experience with Clarota. Uh, I can't say for sure, obviously. Let's talk meta-knowledge, kids. Yeah, yeah. Well, so... and not even meta-knowledge, but also... Uh, knowledge of the particular type of story the person telling you a story is doing. 
There's uh-huh. a lot. So there's a lot that goes into this. There is, you know, the fact that we've been <clears throat> we've been watching this and watching this story that Matt's been unspooling for a while at this point. There is, and I, this is where where I think it comes from, is simply genre convention and subversion of those conventions. So there is something inherently interesting and and i don't think it's a subversion at this point because of people like joss whedon but there is something inherently interesting and that goes against the long-standing cliche of the beholder is evil to have them turn out to be an ally right like if it critical role or not if i see the group Come up against a, uh, a a a monstrous creature or alien or what have you that doesn't get killed right away, um, and that they make some sort of deal with. I'm always thinking about the possibility of is this going to turn out to be the is this going to turn out to be the person who proves to be in some ways even more noble than the party. And all of those things. If I see, and that's because again of of people like like um, uh, Buffy the, or shows like the Buffy the Vampire Slayer, um, 80s sci-fi, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of that kind of stuff. Meanwhile, if I see a human, a, a relative of a character who has been the captive of the the big bads, who you rescue and then happens to be following along with the group, even though this character is not the inherently badass person that the group is, I am just waiting for that betrayal. Again, because of Joss Whedon. Uh, because right. of um, horror. And 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 just a wide breadth of stories. So for me, it was simply past genre convention and knowing that Matt is a big fan of genre convention. Um, that it's enough of a subversion that it's unexpected when it happens, but there's always that question in my head of, wait a minute, oh, she's going to turn. Oh, she is totally going to turn. And in this case, there was never a point up until now where I was like, oh, no, she's fine. She's going to be with the group. She's going to be she's going to help them. That's just me personally. And that's not to say that he telegraphed it too badly because he didn't. No, it's just that something when you are writing stories and and or, or telling stories and and dealing with in genres, you have to be aware that there is there are eons of stories before you that have established certain perspectives, and you have to know your audience and know what they're going to expect if you want to do something really unexpected. There's also it also doesn't help that. Um... The, the insight check that they have been previously rolling, many of them were kind of poor, so it's hard to tell, but a few mm-hmm. of them seemed like they would be really good roles. Right. 
which also helped to sort of comfort them in the mind in the mindset of oh she's on our side i rolled really mm-hmm. high obviously i didn't fail right um oh yeah no it's it's not really in terms of like party decision it's not <laughs> they they didn't make poor choices taking die rolling and the fact that 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 these are these are people playing characters out of the equation if you look at just the characters i still go man you haven't learned yet have you but when you're thinking about the characters and knowing that they just rolled poor okay i get it like they didn't do anything wrong it just turned out that way just turned out that way um, and, and also, like I said earlier, there's something to be, there's something to be, you know, something to be, uh, uh said for the storyteller's method of storytelling and what sort of uh-huh. way they like to do. We have, we have previous experience and I'm, I'm sure there is a non-zero percentage of people who saw, uh, this coming because of Clarota, just because they have that Matt has established that he will give you an ally and turn them into an enemy. Yep. Now, it's not to say that that is in and of itself a telegraphing thing, but people tend to see patterns where maybe there isn't one, maybe there is one. Um, so that's also something to be aware of as writers and as media consumers as a whole. Patterns can be a way to, you know, predict things that will happen. Patterns can also be a way to completely throw off your audience. Yeah. Um, for instance... If you were to read an R.A. Salvatore book, you might expect there to be a main character who is an outcast from her own, from their own society who lives at odds with who lives at odds with the cultural norms of the people they grew up with and instead find comfort in an odd assortment of family members that don't that that are related more by cause than by blood. Well, still feeling entirely superior to all of them. And and well, the, the the thing about my my description of it is that it can apply to yes. most of the characters in that group, not just one of them. Yes, you're <laughs> correct. <laughs> Actually, all of the characters in that group, not just one of them, it, except for Regis. He's the only one. Um, and you would not be wrong to expect that because they are in every single book he writes. Now, if he were to then write a book wherein the main character was more Jarlax or less Drist, you'd be surprised. If that happens, then put your head between your legs and kiss your ass goodbye because it's the apocalypse. Well, folks. he did. He yep. actually wrote a trilogy of books primarily about where the main character was Jarlax and Artemis and Triri. But, um... <laughs> I mean, I would say that describes Artemis as well. Uh, Artemis is less, I would say Artemis is less so, but that's a discussion for a different day. Um, but Jarlaxle was still one of the main characters there. Um, and so that's a really good way to throw your audience for a loop when you have that, you have established a pattern previously, and then you break that pattern intentionally. Yep. So just, uh, that's just another tool for your writer's belt. <clears throat> so, um, Vox Machina, still trapped, uh, trapped, and now, AR quotes, reeling from this betrayal. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know. 
Um, uh, Keyleth uh, tries to reach out to Vax through the earring, but uh, it has no success on that particular matter. And the rest of Vox Magna attempt to shatter all of the gems that they had touched earlier. Vax fires an exploding arrow and begins to crack one of the one of the glass walls as well. And seeing progress is being made, Grog begins striking at the glass himself. Scanlan shatters another crystal in addition to the one that Grog shattered uh, shattered before. Um, uh, uh, and Vex flies up to one of the pipes after Percy shatters a third crystal and attempts to bend it upward as well, attempting uh, assisted by Keyless heat metal. Uh, Scanlan uses Dimension Door to take himself and Pike outside the trap. Um, and attempting to use the gems on the other side, one like the one that Cassandra had used earlier to try to clear it, but this seems to have no effect. Pike attempts to start shattering gems outside the trap. Eventually, uh, they destroy all the gems, but only one of the glass walls rises due to the acid uh, due to the acid dissolving parts of the ceiling. Keyleth attempts to wall attempts to uh, use a wall of stone, but it isn't strong enough to raise the other one. And as they look for options, Pike notices that the white stone wall the Briarwoods left through has left left through has dissolved. Scanlan slips under the new opening and disables the acid trap, opening up the white stone door. And the remainder of Vox Machina is able to use their endless rope to climb over the glass wall and carry on after the Briarwoods, having been thoroughly soaked in acid all over. The time-honored Vox Machina tradition of, we're in a trap, we don't know what to do, what should we do? Break everything. <laughs> of course break everything, because something functional happened and it caused a trap. Therefore make everything non-functional and the trap will go away. I will also I will also take the moment to note that the real boss of this particular trap was the door. Yep. You're not wrong. And there's a break there. Using her books of boot books, her books of sprinting. <laughs> I think that's called a speed read. <laughs> uh, using her boots of sprinting. <laughs> La 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 uh... <laughs> Using her boots of sprinting, uh, Pike races forth to cast Great Restoration on Vax and free his mind from the effects of Silas's vampiric charms. We need to point out that there's 41 minutes of this uh, this recap that is missing. <laughs> oh, there are. That's right. <laughs> because when did Vax get charmed by Silas? Oh uh, no, Vax um, got charmed previously. Yeah. Oh, you're Vax right. Vax got charmed right, yeah, right uh, after he, yeah, right, no, af right after he turned the acid on, and then <laughs> yeah, right after he turned Silas the is like, on then. Oh, you're on my team. Let me make right. sure that's like actually official. Boop. Right. This is the downside of recording later. It's yes. true. Also, I've been through my work re my work day. So also, Turns out, part of this recap is incomplete, so please enjoy yeah. this interim music while I get the remaining recap. Uh, as they begin to make their way down the hallway, a flash of purple energy sparks off the barrel of Percy's gun, a small plume of smoke trailing off behind it. Where there was previously no name, now it bears the name Cassandra Dorolo. Oh, shit. <laughs> Visibly shaken, he leads the group to press forward, knowing that he must confront what lies before them. They arrive in a large open cavern with a structure rising out of the middle, which is part of the reason why I said earlier that I don't think they're actually at the edge of Whitestone, because this is the Ziggurat, made out of white, made out of Whitestone, and I believe as previously established, 
directly beneath the sun tree. Well, yeah, but they were before that, and the sun tree is like in the middle of Whitestone, so they yeah. would have had to subterraneanly underground at least past the outskirts of Whitestone before you can get to the underground part of the middle of Whitestone. But isn't the so. castle in Whitestone? No, it is outside the town. Hmm. Up on the hill. Okay, so and I guess the village slash city of Whitestone is a little bit removed. I guess space. I guess the if they're more removed than I thought they were, then yeah, then that would make sense. You're passing the space between the two, right? right. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Anyways, um, so yeah, the, there's this large uh, uh, Whitestone uh, ziggurat. Uh, with the top turning into something, the base of it, which is Whitestone, the top of which turns into something darker and green. Decide the best way to go at this is for Vex to fly over while everyone else splits up, splits and attacks up multiple sets of stairs leading to the top of the ziggurat. Percy takes the lead, hoping to distract their enemies while everyone else gets in the position. When he, makes it to the top, when he makes it to the top of the stairs, he puts his mask on, the familiar feeling of anger and heat washing over him. At the top, he calls out for Silas, which is where we get William's text uh, notification of SILAS! Yes. Uh, who is in the process of opening the door to the chamber at the top of the pyramid. Silas and Delilah, flanked by Cassandra and Vax, laugh at the fact that Percy is facing them alone. He casts Hex at the lady and then tosses a smoke bomb at them, obscuring her vision as the spell she was casting stops. Because, fun fact, a lot of spells, a lot of spells that spellcasters uh, use require line of sight. If you're behind yep. a fog of cloud, if you're a fog of cloud, if you're behind a cloud of smoke, you are no longer in line of sight. As I continue, a fog of a cloud of smoke. As I continue to English correctly. A fog of a mist of a cloud of a smoke? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And the hole in the bottom of the CCC? Yes. Um, Percy darts away as Vex uh, uh, fires a barrage of arrows into the clouds that f- then flies back up into the darkness beyond sight. Uh, she moves away from... Uh, uh, um, Delilah moves away from the cloud, her form shivering as she gives Silas a boon of some kind. Um, Scanlan tries to blind Delilah, but she resists it as Vax steps in front of her, trying to get them to stop fighting. Because I believe at this point Vax isn't dominated so much as he's charmed, which is slightly different from one another. Right. I believe. Yes. Does anyone care to extrapolate on Char- the differences between charm and dominated? Yeah, char- charmed. You still have a level of sapience and free will under your control you just assume that whoever cast the spell on you is probably your bestie for life whereas dominated you literally have no choice they are bloodbending puppeting you around it is literally the difference it is literally the difference for those familiar with vampire the masquerade to uh is the same thing as the difference between presence and dominate yes completely different discipline (laughs) yep um, <clears throat> as he does, Silas leaps out of the smoke and lands, charging at Percy, hacking away, uh, with, uh, ha- hacking away with his, uh, massive black greatsword, landing two of his blows, uh, which seems to have some sort of magical effect on Percy, sapping away some of his strength in the process. Uh-huh. As we have previously been warned by Cassandra that the sword is as evil as Silas, which may have been more than just a, oh, the sword is evil, but may have also been a reference to its vampiric in nature. Who knows? Um, Could be. 
Grog, move, uh, <clears throat> Grog, who uh, had sort of snuck up behind a pillar, tosses his warhammer at Silas, slamming into him as fire and holy power blasts him, and seeing an opening, Pike darks around the pillar and grabs her friend, sending divine energy into him and clearing his mind. This is where Pike rushes up to Vax and casts Greater Restoration on him. <coughs> um... Before, uh, uh, so yeah, uh, Vax's mind returns to him. He gives Pike a wink and maintain a wink and maintains his defensive stance, acting to protect Lady Briarwood, as Pike hides again behind the pillar, uh, behind one of the pillars that are up there. Vax floats near the temple, then lets go uh, with an arrow that splits into three. Two of them striking Silas in the side and back, uh, and she pulls another arrow, this one with holy oil on it, and shoots Silas again. Vampires not being fans of holy oil. As a rule. Typically. Generally speaking. Um, There's a couple vampires that are fans of holy oil, but we don't kink shame here. That's true. That's true. It's like candle wax, I guess. Right. In some instances. Uh, <laughs> candle wax that also inhibits your natural regenerative capacities. That's just part of the thrill, man. Yep. Although technically candle wax also re- re- uh, inhibits your natural return. Depending that's what, on that's, temperature and placement, yes. That's mm-hmm. what burns do. But yeah. <laughs> As we get once again off track. Um, uh, Staring Silas down, Percy slams his gloved hands into Silas's face as he applies a little diplomacy. Um. <laughs> <laughs> the glove doing uh, uh, jamming Silas filled with electricity the biggest joy buzzer in the world don't tase me bro uh, seeing, it were, uh, seeing that the glove worked he slices twice with his rapier both connecting and cutting flesh cutting into the flesh of the vampire Percy then darts towards Grog um, uh, but Silas continues after him refusing to let him escape Cassandra uses the distraction, gets behind Grog, her sh- uh, uh, stabbing him in the kidneys, but he barely notices because he's currently roid raging. Uh, and Keyleth uses this chance to get into position and fire off a sunbeam that hits both Silas and Grog, uh, because, I mean, sunbeam's not really a thing that you can aim very accurately. It really, no, I mean, it's no, you can like, aim it fairly accurately. It just hits everything in a line. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like a lightning bolt in that way. You don't, you, there's no finesse with it, really. Right. No, you're Cyclops, basically. Yeah. Uh, it melts part of Silas's face, which is really metal. You know, as we start to get into uh, Indiana Keyless Jones territory again. is one again. of the most metal characters in this setting, though. Irony being she's a druid. Yep. Who don't use metal. I mean... Okay, pun irony aside. <laughs> thematically, it works. Because metal bands very much tend to fall to the Zeppelin. Yep. Zeppelin was all about the druids. Yep. <clears throat> the vampire screams as part of his face melts off and turns to ash. <laughs> Burned him right down to the fang. Uh, Delilah goes to help her husband, but as she does, Vax stabs her uh, with his dagger, which, because apparently his acting worked. Um, <clears throat> the one that the special poison he had obtained from the hag was on. It cuts into her, into her, the poison ripping through her body, and she coughs up blood. 
He turns and casts a spell on Vax, or to hold Vax in place, which causes his mind to blank as... I don't know if it was Hold Person, but if it was, it describes Hold Person in a very... We, we've had discussions about how Hold Person works, though. <laughs> yep. Mechanically. Um, Scanlan tries to return the favor, casting Hold Person on her, but she manages to shrug off the effects. As Silas flees... I think it was actually, I think it was actually Power Word Stun. <laughs> it may have been. I don't actually remember. Um, as Silas flees, Grog... Uh, turns his hammer on Cassandra as Percy watches, and in his frenzy lands two blows, battering her to the ground. Silas steps into the, su uh, steps into the sunlight coming from Keyleth, uh, which burns his flesh, but still hacks into Percy three times. Uh, <clears throat> which begins to, again, the vampiric sword starts to drain his life away. Um, he resists mm, the magical effects from the sword, but is still obviously hurt from getting hit with a sword repeatedly. Does tend to bother. It it it, dis it disturbs the humors, as it were. <laughs> uh, Pike rushes in and heals Percy, then uh, unleashes a sacred flame on Silas. Vex flies in, firing arrows at Delilah, uh, both of which hit her in the chest. She's not a vampire, so that hurts a lot more than it does for Silas. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Silas continues to attack Percy, determined to kill him first. Um, as Cassandra slides, uh, moves away from Grog and goes to stab Percy too. Uh, but instead drops her sword, uh, having some sort of internal conflict being expressed. Uh, Keyleth continues to blast Silas with Sunbeam. He continues to melt in response. Um, this time he attacks her instead of Silas, instead of Percy. Uh, Delilah, seeing that Silas has been, has had the shit kicked out of him, runs towards him and tries to teleport them out, but Scanlan counters her spell, because Scanlan has counterspell. And... And bards counterspell very well. And bards yep. counterspell very well. Um, closing the door she was trying to open to get them out of the area. Silas tries to run away. And Grog readies to, uh, as Grog readies to attack, um, he's, but instead of attacking Silas, he attacks Lady Briarwood, um, instead. Scanlan calls forth Bigby's hand and punches away Delilah, and they, I, we, we are treated to the chorus of Bigby's hand that, uh, Scanlan uses whenever he summons the spell. Yes, indeed. Because iconic character line. They work very well. In, in, mm -hmm. in, in wrestling terms, Scanlan knows how to pop the crowd. Yes. He's got all the good catchphrases. He is the rock of Vox Machina. He is the Reinhardt of Vox Machina. <laughs> Despite um, being absolutely nothing like Reinhardt in any other respect. <laughs> Uh, Silas steps out of the sunlight and locks eyes with Grog and attempts to uh, attempts to control his mind, but this is a point at which both Silas and Mercer forgot that frenzied barbarians are immune to mind-affecting abilities. <laughs> uh, because it don't work. Pike attacks with the angelic wings of Saren Ray, uh, her mace slamming into Silas's undead form and radiant energy erupting out of the blow. 
Vex follows it up, uh, jamming one arrow into the back of his neck, and explode, which explodes into a flash of radiant light. And it, he is left apparently standing. Percy takes aim and shoots him in the hand, causing him to drop the greatsword that he had been beating him to death with. A second shot connects, and his form dissipates into mist. He turns the gun and fires the final shot at Delilah, fire looking across her, as well as, as the shadowy energy of his hex spell. Uh, vengeance swells within him, and he fires again, blasting another chuck out of, his out of her shoulder, another into her leg, and his last shot hits her in the gut. As we begin to see a reenactment of the last time Percy walked towards somebody firing his gun repeatedly. Uh-huh. Uh, Cassandra, uh, apparently not so under their control that she'll stab Percy, but definitely still under their control, or whatever effect is under is, is overcoming her, um, feeds a healing potion to uh, Delilah. Keyleth uh, takes a step towards Silas, Silas, yelling something about gnomes and druids at him, and then firing a sunbeam uh, 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 at Pike, who redirects it uh, using her shield, into the mist of the vampire lord which doesn't work mechanically but we'll go we'll go with it for the legend of zelda uh, uh flavor or the iron man captain america flavor <laughs> also that actually that's, that's a fair point i always thought of this as the legend of zelda mirror shield moment but i guess it is also the iron man and captain america moment mm -hmm. <laughs> hit the hit the, hit hit the hit the vibranium shield with the lasers cap redirects the lasers to take out literally everybody around you. But I am curious as to why that wouldn't work with him just pointing and sweeping anyways. Uh, in the in the movie, it's because it it actually the he he hits it at an angle where it splits the laser into several different independent yep. beams, each of which is still strong enough to take out a single target. OK, and 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 the speed of plot continues. <laughs> Also, oh, it's real cool looking. <laughs> and right. Also, it looks really and cool. And to be fair, of all the characters in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Tony would take the option that looks cooler. Yes. Yes, he would. That is, that is a fair statement. Um, uh, Delilah screams out as she watches her husband turn into naught but a pile of ash because sunbeams kill vampires. Delilah knows that her chances are nearly gone, so she steps behind the pillar to get away. Keela smacks her in the face with her staff, but she gets the dimension door off in time and escapes. Uh, as Grog threatens to throw Cassandra off the ziggurat, Percy asks them not to, and Vax knocks her out. As Vax is, as Vax has previously shown his predilection towards beating underage peop, underage children in the back of the head with his daggers. Yep. Mm -hmm. Um, although I don't actually know how old Cassandra is. I, I, I don't actually know how old Cassandra is at this point. I feel like she's not 18 yet. Uh, she's... I don't know. She's her age. She is either late teens or early 20s. That. Either late teens or early 20s. Either way... Vax, Vax does what Vax do. Yeah. Yep. Um, rogue's gonna rogue. <laughs> I mean, Vax gonna Vax. Yeah. Uh, they chain her up, and Vex and Vexalia drops a rope down for everyone to pull themselves up onto the top of the ziggurat. 
And as she does, she sees Delilah out of the corner of her eyes, climbing up at the pat platform in the center of the room. Uh, with uh, this uh, room that has walls covered in ice. <clears throat> she fires off some arrows, one of them hitting. Uh, and everyone else begins climbing up as Delilah pulls an item out of her pocket and lets go of a fireball at the roof where the arrows came from. Uh, Vexaldon, uh, uh, Vexalia, Vexaldon, and Percy all reel back from the blast, but the ranger cannot get out of the way as fast as the boys do and takes the brunt of the blast. Percy fires at the scroll Delilah is holding with a fire uh, with with some sort of firing attack. Fire attack. Fires at the scroll with a fire attack. Hey, remember what we were talking about that writing earlier? Yeah. <laughs> uh, launches. There's lots of synonyms for fire. <laughs> Fires at the scroll with a scorching attack. Fires at the scroll with a flaming attack. Shoots at the scroll with a fire attack. <laughs> there are a couple of different ways you could have written this. Um, <clears throat> but the pepper box, but the pepper box jams and breaks uh, further, and while he tries to clear it, uh, uh, he pulls out bad news and lets uh, and and fires off one final shot. Delilah finishes reading from the scroll, then removes a small dagger and slices her arm, letting her blood flow onto a small, dark orb that is on the platform in front of her. As she does, the orb begins to rise, and the ice on the walls break, revealing a swirling, a swarming mass of bodies woven together like a tapestry, all of them missing either an eye or a hand. Which those, which at the, at, at which point, D more veteran D and D players went, oh, yeah. yeah. Because while the whispered one isn't necessarily a commonly uh, a commonly used thread, missing eyes and hands are for one particular enemy. Yep. Um, Kids, ask your parents. <laughs> yes. Only if your parents play D and D. And then and then ask them why the fuck that you're allowed they're allowing you to listen to this. That's fair. I mean, let's just let's just put it to you this way, kids. If you ever find a random eyeball or hand while you're exploring a dungeon, the best choice of action is not to cut off your own hand or gouge out your own eye and see if it fits. I mean, I, I, I think that's the best I choice. I disagree. <laughs> you can disagree all you want. I gave, I gave Jeremy a shop full of random body parts you could lop off and replace your own with. That was different. That's how much... I was moderately certain none of them would make me a demigod. <laughs> you never know. <clears throat> um... Yes. Body's missing eyes and hands. Vex downs a potion, then flies off and fires off uh, and fires off one of Percy's specially made arrows at the orb. It flies, but the weight is off, and the arrow explodes just beyond the orb and the one on the platform. Vex then throws a pair of daggers at Delilah, one of them clearing the distance and managing to hit her. Keyleth tries to pull the blood from the orb using control water, but cannot seem to get hold of the liquid, not just because control water doesn't affect blood that way. Um... Which it doesn't, because if your blood was that much water, probably have some medical issues. I'd imagine. Yeah, probably. Good guess. I don't know what percentage of of, of what percentage your blood is water, but I don't think it's that much. What percentage of your blood is water? Yeah. Fairly large percentage. <laughs> yep. 
like the plasma aspect of it is i mean pla yeah plasma is 55% of the blood volume plasma is also 92% water yep so hmm 0.55 times 0. 0.92 is 0. 0.506 so about half of your blood just over half of your blood is water interesting factoids we've learned today uh but not 100 percent of your blood is water which was the no. thing we were going to right. yes <laughs> this is true <laughs> If 100% of your blood was water, the whole blood transfusion thing would have been figured out a lot faster. Just I mean, stick the arm in the water. <laughs> so, the, the, the... Quick, he's about to bleed out! Give him a drink! The scientific use of blood in genre storytelling <laughs> is dubious to say <laughs> the least. The amount of blood is water, right? So if I do this that affects water, it'll affect you. Are many and varied. I will then go to Magneto. Just Magneto. So how much of your iron is in your blood? You have a you, you seem to have a little extra iron in your blood. Now, in order for that to have worked, he would have had to have a lot of extra iron in his blood. <laughs> well, it's not. So here's the thing. It's not just that. So in the comics, Magneto uses the iron in people's blood to paralyze them. Uses it to let to f allow them to fly with him. At one, puts people to sleep by slowing the flow of iron and thus blood to the brain. Um, after which they wake up with no ill ill side effects. Um, at one point, they describe it as modulate. I can't remember exactly the words they use, but essentially it is. Tweaking and fucking with the iron in the uh, the iron in the body, and blood and flow to the brain as a form of I shit you not mind control. <laughs> I control your mind by controlling Magneto how is, your Magneto's power is scientifically dubious. That is the point of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Next week on the rewatching X Men podcast. There already is one of those. It's far better than we could ever do. Aye, yes, that's fair. Is. That's fair. Um, <clears throat> Scanlan attempts to confuse Delilah to try and stop whatever ritual she's doing, and I don't remember how he tries to confuse her. I'm sure it has something to do with thrusting his crotch into somebody's face. I mean... Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> But she's too focused on the task, and it doesn't work. Percy tries to get off a pair of shots with bad news, but it jams, because Percy's having the best of luck tonight. Um, and he has to take a second to clear it before the second shot before the second shot blasts her nearly off the platform. Vex flies forward, robe from her bag in hand, hoping to cover the thing up and stop whatever it's doing. And seeing a target, Delilah extends her hand and lets go a finger of death spell which Vex can't dodge as the necrotic energy slams into her, nearly yanking her soul from her body and sending her toppling head over feet into the air. Um, for, those, for those of you playing at home, if you die to Finger of Death, you come back as a zombie. Yep. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. Which would have been really fucking cool, but did not happen. 
and would have been probably extremely traumatizing to the rest of the party. Yes, it would have been. Which I would have enjoyed watching. Uh-huh. Very uh-huh, Walking uh-huh. Dead situation there. Anyways. Um... <clears throat> Because guess what, kids? Zombie ain't something that greater restoration gonna fix. No. Nope. Nor revivify. Nope. Nope. Because once you've been raised as dead, they're undead. Once you've been raised, fun fact: once you've been raised as a zombie, you cannot a be raised again as a zombie or b be revived without like a true resurrection spell. (laughs) Fun facts about zombies in D and D. Um, <clears throat> the orb begins to spin rapidly and then snaps down into the small, into the small ball, into a small ball the size of a marble. Lila waits, practically willing something to happen that doesn't. The walls that were moving now have now stopped and Vex's spl- flight spell stops as she falls through the air. She tries to grab onto the side of the platform but misses and slams into the ground, her eyes closing and going dark. Which indicates how close she was to becoming a zombie. That she got yep. knocked unconscious after falling. <laughs> this will be a running theme. Yep. Uh-huh. Uh, seeing her fall, Vax jumps into the room and charges for his fallen sister. Pike raises her holy symbol and tries to heal Vex, but the energy seems to be ripped from her hands and the spell has no effect. Percy fires off another shot at the one on the platform, not wanting her to be able to do, any, to do anything else to the group. The shot... Fl- uh, uh, the shot... F- uh, uh, as the shot flies, uh, the smoke uh, entity in Percy's head tells him to take his revenge. Um, <laughs> instead, uh, he blasts her right arm off, uh, trying to keep her alive, but useless for spellcasting. She tumbles back on the steps, rolls down, and then topples off the back edge of the platform. Vax puts a healing potion in his sister's mouth, but it has no effect. And panicked, Vax calls for everyone else to help him as Grog, Keela, Scanlan all to help. Um, they tie her up around her and pull her out, and as they get her on a ledge, Pike tries to heal her again, but nothing do- nothing happens. <clears throat> Grog, gra- Grog grabs her, leaps down off the top of the ledge, and uh, uh, as Vax grabs Pike, it does the same thing. And as they land, her eyes uh, flutter and she comes to consciousness, but still not in any shape to do anything. Keyleth tries to stab one of the shards of green glass into the small orb, but as she does, the glass explodes and nearly pulls her hand into it. Scanlan goes to grab Lady Briarwood while Grog tries to get the door open, and Pike again tries to heal her friend. The magic is still blocked, and no one knows why. Um, they get Delilah, and on the way out, grab Cassandra, and everyone is nearly down the stairs uh, while Keyleth stays behind, trying to rip the structure apart as an earth elemental. It's a little big for that, though. Uh, it is. Well, not only is it a little big for that, but as she concentrates, nothing happens. That she too. is unable to turn into an earth elemental. Vax grabs her, pulls her down the stairs. That's the end of the episode. So we had, I believe this is... This is only the second, like, dramatic betrayal we've had in the series so far. I think only the second. Only the second. Only the second. I mean, unless you count, uh, un- unless you count, um, uh, Emperor Amon or Emperor 
Emperor Taldori. Emperor Taldori. Sorry, I keep getting those two words fixed up. Emperor Taldori, which no. isn't really a dramatic betrayal so much as it is a something fucky's going on. Also, you guys are idiots. Yeah, that doesn't really that. That's not betrayal. Being mind controlled to do something is not a betrayal. Yeah. No. I mean, also, it wasn't really a betrayal. Tiberius blew up two guards. Also, that. <laughs> like, as much as, as much as uh, Emperor Teldore is under the influence of, of Silas Briarwood, adventurers are also adventurers. And they tend to do a lot of things that would rightfully earn the ire of the established authority. Yup. Tend to. So, uh, so yeah, we are back. Uh, hopefully on time every time. We'll find out. Uh, <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> unlikely, but I can be hopeful. I, I give it two weeks. <laughs> I can be hopeful. Anyways. Yes, you can. Uh, so yeah, we're back. We've got a new time slot. These will probably end up being longer because the new time slot no longer has an immediate drop-off point. We will try to keep them to the relative length we have been keeping them, but... If they go I a mean, bit longer, we're going to try to keep them to an hour because these my Overwatch time. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and the new Symmetra is out, so bye, everybody. <laughs> I can just see John just like. <laughs> we are. I will. I will make the reminder that we are not sponsored by Overwatch <laughs> or by D and D Beyond. That said, that has never D &D stopped beyond D&D <laughs> beyond. Please sponsor us, please. D&D <laughs> beyond D &D. its compendium is a shit ton better than roll 20s. D&D beyond D&D beyond. Please pay us for the thing that we will still continue to do for free. If you don't pay us, <laughs> we are terrible businessmen. <laughs> we, we really never claimed otherwise, though. And that'll be the end of this week's episode. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you again next time. Say goodbye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye. Goodbye.